0: So um, member here at the church, and uh, had the privilege of teaching through the Pilgrim's Progress here, which was uh, an exciting opportunity for me. I haven't done that before. Um, I've taught through the Bible before, not the whole thing, but little sections, and uh, so kind of familiar with doing that. But this was a whole new thing doing the Pilgrim's Progress, but uh, something I definitely wanted to do. Um, I was excited to kind of dig in and and um, and really get into it and be able to kind of teach it and go through it so um, it was a it was a neat thing a good experience and it's a great uh, book and a great story and of course uh, the reason you know I think that we're studying through it and going through it isn't because it's just a great story um, but it's so biblical. There's so many uh, connections, and it's it's basically just a you know a word picture allegorical way for us to uh, study God's word and to learn more about it, and kind of at least we can get John Bunyan's uh, take on his theology. In um, getting ready for this, um, I listened to. There's a, a 17 part audio series on Ligonier, uh, liganier.com that you can get by um, Derek Thomas. And, so, uh, and he has a British accent, so it makes it even better when he gives the commentary on it. But uh, I would highly recommend it. It was about $30 bucks, uh, for the whole series, for all 17 messages. And he goes through uh, the Pilgrim's Progress and teaches it. Um, and uh, it's really good, and he brings out a lot of good insights. So I got, I got most of my stuff uh, from his teaching. And so I would definitely recommend it. As was mentioned in previous weeks, there's a lot of online resources and things you can get. Um, for studying through it, so uh, and trying to learn and understand there's so much packed into it. So I don't know how Bunyan was able to think of all of these things. But every character and every scene, every little, um, you know, story that we get is, uh, there's a lot of meaning packed into it. So uh, this is the book I got here at church um, last week. So you can read through this one. Of course, there's lots of them out there you can download the book, because um, it's not copyrighted anymore. Um, and so this, like, pages 12, 10 to 18 or so is about where we were, where we are in this book, which is kind of scary because there's a lot going on just in a few pages that I'll be covering this morning, but it's, you know, it's a big book. There's a lot of story in there, lots of, uh, lots of stuff going on. So with that, um, let me go ahead and open us up in a word of prayer this morning. Lord, we just thank you for... This day for this opportunity to come uh, and study uh, the pilgrim's progress in this case, Lord, but uh, but your word as well, Father, and just learning um, what you have to teach us and learning what you have to uh, to share with us, Lord. May it help us, God. Maybe these stories help us to remember things, remember biblical concepts, um, and just uh, may we just live it out, Lord. May we not just put the words into our mind. Or put the ideas in our mind, but may we also act upon them and just live uh, for you and give you glory in all things. Amen. Okay, so diving right in. And also, um, uh, you can get it on Audible as well, the Pilgrim's Progress, which is also great. If any of you, how many of you guys drive to work every day? Nobody. Okay, you guys all stay home. Good for you. I have to drive to work, old-fashioned way. Um, but most of us drive to work, uh, drive around to groceries. Anybody buy groceries? No, also nobody gets... All right, you guys are amazing. Uh, but all that time driving around, you know, if you're by yourself, you know, just plug in the, the headphones, um, the earbuds, whatever, put it on the radio, and you can listen to um, the Pilgrim's Progress. So um, as we're hearing the story, we have covered the, the introduction and the first part of the story, the city of destruction. Now we're moving on as uh, Christian meets up with a couple of friends after leaving, right on the time of leaving the city of destruction. Anybody know who the, the friends are that he meets right off the bat? Obstinate, pliable, and then the, the very first one that he kind of meets upon leaving his house, he hasn't really left his house much, evangelist. And so see, evangelist, pliable, and obstinate. So that's who we'll be talking about this morning. So, um, so, we see here he talks to evangelists, and of course, evangelist is going to kind of point him, uh, you know, help him to understand the gospel, to point him to the truth, um, to the city of light and all that, and the wicked gate, um, and those kinds of things. So, it's important, it's interesting to understand that Bunyan, uh, the Pilgrim's Progress is very biographical, or autobiographical. It's, it's a lot of things that he's drawn from his own life. And so when we see things in the story that or seem like, hmm, I wonder why he did it that way. Um, I wonder, you know, why these people, these different strange people are coming into his life. A lot of it has to do with uh, the fact that um, he's pulling events from his own life. So he was a Puritan. Uh, he was living in, in England there in um, near Bedford, a little bit outside of Bedford, Bedfordshire, uh, in the mid to late 1600s. So uh not long after, you know, the, the King James Version of the Bible in 1611 was first published. So right around that time, um, lots of Puritans uh, running around, and he was part of that, that crew. So his theology, um, you know, is from the Puritans, and it is Reformed as well. Um, so he pulls a lot of th- these things from his life. Um, so... And the evangelist is someone, um, you know, that's also based on someone from his life. But, um, so many have asked, you know, in the story, you'll kind of see that it takes a long time. Uh, It takes a little bit of time for him uh, to get rid of his burden, you know, because a a Christian is running around with this burden on his back, right? And uh, it takes quite a while for him to get rid of this burden, and part of the reason for that may be the fact that uh, in his own life, um, Bunyan struggled. You know, he, he kind of went through a down period and, and went through a period under the conviction of sin um, and uh, just heavy guilt and those kind of things. And it was a period of, of time that was about 18 months um, before he himself you know, really came to salvation and came to understand The truths of God's words. That's probably part of the reason in the story we see that uh, Christian goes along for quite a while before getting rid of the burden. You remember he's got this big, heavy, uh, you know, backpack on. That's what it always looks like in the little kids' books. Um, But this big burden that's on his back that he can't get rid of. And so um, Bunyan's kind of describing himself, having gone through this period of time when he had this this great burden and he was struggling and, and didn't find much rest and much happiness and joy um, in the Christian life, but instead felt a burden and felt, um, you know, felt a lot of difficulty in his life. So he struggled for a while um, before finally getting that burden relieved. And he meets evangelists, and the evangelist was probably based upon um, Newton's own pastor uh, there in Bedford, England, who is John Gifford. And so um, ev- evangelist sends him where does he send uh Christian uh, off the beginning right at the at the beginning of the story? anybody remember I've read it to the wicket gate and what is the wicket gate? What's another term for the wicket gate? yeah, narrow or straight um the narrow or the straight gate both uh both words from the old English mean uh, pretty much the same thing, but you know straight is the path, you know, narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life. So at first I thought when I read it, you know, he was trying to make a play on wicked, but, um, and wicked, but no, it's not wicked, it's, it's the narrow or the straight gate. Um, so does this remind anybody of a particular verse of the Bible? Someone read uh, for us Matthew seven thirteen and 14, if you would. Water here. I think it's just a yeah. It just means small, narrow, a narrow gate. Oh really? There's a little little gate in the game of cricket. Okay. Hmm. Cricket and it sounds like wicket. Yeah, it just means a small gate. Anybody have uh Matthew 7 13 and 14? You got it back there? Yeah, you. Yeah, the phone. Yeah. Those who find it are few. That's a that's a interesting verse and and I I say, oh, so wait, I'm going to spend the whole rest of the morning on this verse. No, I'd love to spend the whole day on that verse. That's a, such a great verse, but um, if we do that, we'll be here for a long, long time. And then they'll get mad at me because they can't have a sermon afterwards. But um, but yeah, it's a great verse, enter by the narrow gate. So we've probably all heard that. And broad is the way that leads to where? Destruction, right? So the way that's not of truth, you know, the pathway to despair and destruction to hell is broad and easy, um, but it's narrow and difficult, the way of truth, the way that which leads to life, which of course is the way that we want to be on, isn't it? So we want to go through the narrow gate. So he sends them there to the narrow gate, um, and we can see here that, uh, you know, that um, Bunyan was under this conviction of sin. He couldn't see the solution. Um, You know, he didn't know the answer to the sadness, to the conviction, to the burden that he felt in his own life, you know, as he's walking through his own journey. Um, And we see here, uh, it'll come up later in the story, but anybody know what Christian's uh, name was before it was Christian? Anybody read that far ahead yet? Read the whole story? So so later on, we'll, we'll find out that his name was Graceless, so that he was originally called Graceless, and so kind of giving us a, a further glimpse into Bunyan's own thinking, just that as an unbeliever, before he came to know the truth, he was Graceless, um, and then God, you know, of course, poured out the grace upon him. And one of the things, you know, if you read the Puritans, you'll find they are, it, it's, it's, good to read them um you know there's a lot of good things with the puritan There's some you know not so great things as well i think but um one of the things you'll find is just the the awe the the you know you think of that word awesome you know we, we think of it today like uh you know hey that that song you know is awesome or you know oh hey that little uh candy bar is pretty awesome you know like, you know but back then awesome meant you know full of awe like just an awe for God and an awe for what he did for us, uh, an appreciation, a gratitude for the grace that we've been given. And if you read the Puritans, they were truly, uh, most of them were just extremely um, respectful and fearful of God and, and amazed at the grace that he gave us. So it's, it's good to remind us of that. Um, so Christian says in the story that he doesn't want to die but he sees from the book in his hand that he is condemned to die and then be judged. So this is quoting from the Pilgrim's Progress. He answered, Sir, I read in the book in my hand that I am condemned to die, and after that come to judgment. And I find that I am not willing to do the first, nor able to do the second. So um, you can see here that you know Bunyan is just relating uh, his own ideas and thoughts about it. He's, just, he's not willing to um, to die, and he's not able, you know, in his own strength, of course, to. Um, you could see Christian in, here in the story, he's not able to, to follow Christ, not able to, uh, to put his faith in him to the point of death. And so then Evangelist tells him to go to the wicket gate, and Evangelist tells Christian to fly from the wrath to come to the wicket gate. And he also, of course, Christian. Is not able. He, t- he asks him if he can see the wicket gate, and Christian's not able to see it from where he's standing, so he tells him to go on to the yonder shining light, and, and he says, you know, I, I, I can see the light in my eye. Uh, quoting again from the book, Do you see yonder wicket gate? The man said, No. Then said the other, Do you see yonder shining light? He said, I think I do. Then said evangelist, Keep that light in your eye, and go up directly thereto. So shall... So shalt thou see the gate at which, when thou knockest, it shall be told thee what thou shalt do. So, um, you can see here in the, the, the Old English, you know, the similar kind of English you get from the King James with the, the these and thous and all that kind of stuff. Um, and by the way, you know, we, we just say you today, but thee and thou— um, and a lot of the words that were used back then, which is kind of seems common with the language these days, it that meant there was a lot more. You could be a lot more specific with it. It was more exact than just saying "you" to everything how we do today. Um, <clears throat> but Christian then, after hearing this, anybody remember what he does when he leaves his little house, his little village, leaves his wife and kids behind? So it's not not a a, a suggestion for you guys. To, uh, when, when you want to go start following the Lord to leave your wife and kids back at home and just take off on a pilgrimage. But that's what a pilgrim does, which is kind of interesting in the story. But he runs out with his fingers in his ears, and he says, life, life, eternal life, um, as he's running out of the house and wondering how he's going to get rid of this burden, how he's going to be saved. So um, then we run into a couple of other folks in the story, pliable and obstinate. So these are two men from his village. And um, anybody have any idea what pliable and obstinate represent? For any of you that have read the story before. What, what is obstinate? Edgar. Yes, me too, exactly. Um, I was thinking, we'll spend the rest of the morning on the parable of the sower. now I would love to, but don't have time for that either. Yeah, um, it does, and I'm pretty sure that's where he's drawing these two characters from. But um, you think of obstinate, um, stubbornness, you know, immovable, you know, someone that won't change his mind. Um, has anybody ever met anybody like that? Have anybody in your life that was like that? Stubborn and obstinate. Okay, can you po- point to him right now so we can see who it is? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, I think we've all known people that are obstinate, that are stubborn, um, that, uh, that just won't move. Are, are you like that? That's the real question. Does that describe you? It describes me. Um, so we can see ourselves in the story and see our own characteristics. It's always easier to find it in somebody else, you know? So, but we should, we need to look in the mirror, as they say, and, and look for it in ourselves. So, pliable, of course, what does the word pliable mean? Yeah, bendy, flexible, you know, just move around any which way. So, pliable, you know, as he represents fickleness, um, someone that's easily persuaded, changes his mind often, um, you know, it just kind of goes whichever way. You know, and just kind of goes along with the flow. You guys have probably known people like that too, right? They just kind of go along with whatever. And uh, you know, no resistance, and they go along for, for a while. But still, not, neither of them are still really on board with you, um, even though they, they act differently and they behave differently. So obstinate, he doesn't last long in the story. Um, as soon as uh, Christian starts heading out uh, on the way, Obstinate thinks the whole thing is dumb and the whole journey is stupid. And uh, so he's out of there. So he, he goes away pretty quickly. And Pliable continues on. So, reading from the story, Obstinate here says, You know, what are the things that you seek since you leave all the world to find them? And Christian says, I seek a place that can never be destroyed, one that is pure, one that fadeth not away and is laid up in heaven and safe, therefore, to be given at the time appointed to them that seek it. With all their heart. Read it so, if you will, in my book. And then Obstinate says, Tosh, and he's out of there. He tells him to get lost. He's got no interest in the book. And you can see here that Christians also carrying this book with him, right? You know, representing, you know, the, the truth, the God's Word, the Bible. Um and so Obstinate um doesn't have much interest in it. If you guys have ever, you know, witnessed uh, shared the gospel with people. You've probably known people like that. I feel like most people uh, that I've witnessed to are that way. Maybe here in Texas, people are more uh, more in the pliable end of things, but more willing to listen, but still uh, have no real interest in it. But uh, usually, when I start sharing the gospel with people, like, when I sit next to on an airplane or something, they're kind of like, "Hey, you know, I don't want to hear this." And now people always have their phones and always something going, so you, you try and talk to them, and they're always busy. But um, but yeah, most people that I've talked to uh, don't have much interest in it And they're kind of like obstinate So <coughs> Pliable continues on with Christian And we see that he's willing <coughs> to listen to the gospel Willing to receive it And uh, what, what, is interest, what interests Pliable in what uh, Christian has to say? Why does he want to go with him? sounds good and he asked Christian kind of what's what's the deal with this journey and what is you know uh what is it like in the end and of course Christian describes it in a wonderful way and and he kind of describes the blessings eternal life um and the blessings of what it's going to be like to be with the Lord someday and Pliable's like yeah give me some of that I like that so he's in it for the good the good stuff um, he even wants to, when he hears about all these good things, he wants to speed up the spe- speed up the pace. He wants to get moving. And he's like, yeah, let's go. Let's go faster. So um, he was in it for the benefits. Um, and you think about it, being in a church, like the church that we have here, are there benefits to being in the church, even if you really don't have much of an interest in God? Is there a reason for people to be here? Yeah, there sure are. I mean, there's a lot of benefits to a church. There's a lot of benefits to... You know, you could call it a, a social club, you know, social interactions. There's people around. You can meet people. You know, if you're, if you're looking for a husband or a wife, you know, not a bad place to find, one, find you one. Um, and just people to help you out, you know, like when, when there's moving days and things like that, you've got a whole crew of people uh, willing to come and help you. There's a lot of benefits to a church. And we should keep that in mind in terms of kind of assuming that everybody in the church is a believer. Because a lot of unbelievers will be attracted to this body here. Um, The more I think you preach the gospel truly and purely and, you know, preach the whole truth of God's word, the more those kind of people will probably tend to get upset and leave. Um, But there's always going to be unbelievers amongst us in any church. Sorry if that... If, that, if anybody disagrees with that or that burst your bubble, but there's probably unbelievers in this church because there's a lot of good reasons to be in a church. Um, a church is a great place for many, many reasons. Um, Alexander White, who's a well-known commentator on the Pilgrim's Progress, um, he gave the observation about uh, pliable being in the journey for the benefits, um, you know, and all the things that Christian described. So he, he kind of was the one that pointed those things out. He wanted eternal life, He wants his sin to be removed. Um, He wants to have, you know, his best life now, uh, that kind of thing. So he wants the good things, uh, but what does he not want? The hardships, right? He doesn't want the cost, right? He wants the benefit and not the cost, just like people that you probably know um, in your life. Not you, but others. They like all the benefits, not all the costs. And Jesus talked about the costs of discipleship, didn't he? He gave uh, several scriptures where he talked about that, you know, about estimating uh, a tower, you know, or what king um, goes out to battle without looking at how many soldiers he's going to need and those kind of things. You know, in order to follow Christ, we need to count the cost. And of course, the ultimate cost is that we have to be willing. To give up our lives right and we have to be willing to give up everything and lay down our lives to follow Christ so we can't live for ourselves we can't live our own life and also follow him so we we can't do both we have to give up ourselves and give up our own desires and our own uh, life and our own way of living in order to live for Christ so um, but that was pliables things Um, and he wasn't really willing to read the book, so he wasn't really, you know, when Christian mentioned the book to him that he carried, um, the Bible, the uh, wasn't really all that. He's like, no, 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 you know, I just want to come to church. I want to enjoy all this good stuff. I don't, I'm not interested in that book. Um, so he wasn't really learning, or uh, interested in learning, the true gospel. So. And as you pointed out, Sandy, the, the story of pliable and obstinate reminds us of a parable, I think. It reminds me a lot of a parable, which I, I think this is where Bunyan is drawing this from. Um, could someone read uh, for us Luke 8, 11 to 15? In the original Greek, if you don't mind. Thank you. Okay, so we see some parallels there between the seeds, Um, and this is kind of the explanation. You know, the the first part of it is the the four different types of seeds uh, that occur in the story, and then Jesus here explains the parable. But um, which of the seeds does obstinate remind you of? If you remember the four different uh, types of seeds that were spread on the ground. Yeah, the rocky soil. And what happened to the seeds that were on the rocky soil? That was a, uh, uh, yeah, or the, the hard ground is the one I was thinking of, the the first one. So the, yeah, there's hard ground, the rocky soil. Um, there's one that was uh, shallow, and then one where the weeds came up and choked it out. And then there was the good seed that fell on good ground. And so like the one that fell on the, the hard ground, um, what happened to those seeds? Yeah, and in the story, it's, it's not the devil, but it's similar to the devil. It's a bird, right? And birds are always bad in the Bible, most of the time, except for the dove, but uh, mostly bad. Um, but, uh, yeah, so the se- that seed was plucked up off the ground, so that would be kind of, like, obstinate. And pliable would be kind of like the seeds that fell on the shallow ground, um, probably most similar to the one that, that uh, had the weeds come up and choke it out. And so, um, so the four different types of seeds that you see there in the parable of the sower, and uh, you can definitely see the parallels there to obstinate and pliable to so those types of people in our lives that, um, that you know, we deal with that either reject the gospel right out or kind of go along and look really good. And look like they're believers for a while but then in the end the cares of the world end up choking uh, their faith out which of course you know they're not really uh, having their true faith choked out just more of their initial excitement because we you know we don't believe that um, you're if you have true faith given to you by God that it could be choked out by the world because that's something that God does in us and uh, that's not going to get destroyed so if you have true faith we have, you know, we can have assurance in our salvation. We know that nothing is going to take that away. Um, so then we come to the slough of despond, or you could call it the, the swamp of despondency. Even in the story, uh, he gives it several different names, like, you know, a bog and the slough, just meaning a big, just think of a swamp, um, or kind of a, I think of sort of a big, like a, uh, I don't know, uh, one of those tar pits. You guys ever seen those tar pits? So they have in uh, Southern California these tar pits there that you can go look at, but just kind of big, big black, you know, gooey, nasty stuff. Um, So they come to the, they fall into the the swamp there, Pliable and Christian. And uh, what happens with Pliable? Is he able to get out of the swamp? Yeah, he's able to just kind of climb on out. Um, and get out of the swamp uh, pretty easily. And why is that? Why do you think he is able to get out of the swamp? Pliable is. Whereas Christian is not. What does Christian have that pliable does not have? What's that? The burden. Yeah, exactly. Christian is weighed down by the burden. Pliable isn't, right? He's happy. He's a happy-go-lucky kind of guy. Uh, He doesn't have to worry about this big, heavy burden. So he's able—he's light on his feet and able to just uh, crawl right on out of there. And so um, he gets out, and he's not, you know, weighed down, whereas Christian um, is weighed down by the burden, and he's not able to climb out very easily on his own. So um, what does Pliable do— after he gets out of the swamp, after he gets out of the slough of despond, the old—what's that? He runs back. Yeah, he runs runs right back home. Yeah, back to where uh, they came from, back to the city of destruction. And so uh, he doesn't stick around very long, does he? And what is what does he do as far as Christians concerned? You know, Christians over here stuck in the in the slough, stuck in the swamp. Maybe about to drown he doesn't care about <laughs> yeah he's so you probably had friends like that too, so we see that pliable while looks good in the beginning turns out to not be that helpful of a friend after all and uh, you know I'll often use that example with my kids about good intentions you know people say, well, you know I had good intentions, and you know it's the th- or the thought that counts that's one of my one of my favorite phrases. And I think, oh, yeah, the thought it's the thought that counts. So, like, if you're drowning in a lake and I see you, and I'm sitting there in my lawn chair enjoying the sun and uh, having a good time, and I see you drowning, and I think about going over there to save you, uh, that's the thought that counts, right? That's what matters. Not the action. But, no, actually, it's, it's the action that counts uh, <laughs> in many situations. Um, so we need to actually go in and help, right? And go in and help a brother— or a sister that's drowning, that's struggling, but often we don't. We don't want to. We've got other things going on. We've got more important things, and so as Pliable does, he just gets himself out of there, and um, as soon as the time gets—things uh, get tough, he's out of there, and um, why did why did he want to leave? You know, he didn't like the difficulty of the slough. He remembered the promises that Christian gave him of the eternal life in heaven and those kind of things, and um, and he, uh, he wanted that good stuff. So as soon as the bad stuff came, he was out of there. So it's a good, kind of a good example, you know, a good analogy for us to think about in our life. Um, how does Christian end up getting out of the slough? Anybody remember who came along? Help, yeah. It was a guy named Help. Who uh, is another kind of like evangelist, another person in the story that's there to, to point him in the right direction. Um, you know, and the first thing he says, I think is kind of interesting. Um, I don't know exactly what he's talking about, but the first thing that Help says to, to Christian, anybody remember when he's there stuck in this slough, stuck in this swamp? He says, Why didn't you go up the steps? Why didn't you go look for the steps? So apparently there were steps in this slough, and Christian, uh, you know, mired in in his difficulties, mired in all this stuff, uh, didn't think to look for the steps. And I think about that, you know, in in my life. How is it, <clears throat> have you guys ever had that experience where you're having incredible difficulties or you're having a hard time, and then, um, and you know, it turns out there's an easy solution. You might find out later, but you didn't even really look for it. You know, you didn't even see it. Uh, You know, just the other day when I was at work, um, my my battery went out of my car, and uh, so I had a dead battery, so I had to call security people over uh, to help me, and they brought the little jumper, the little uh, box, you know, the little um, pack that jumps uh, your battery, and I had just done this like a week earlier. I've been having problems with my battery going dead, but that's another story. But anyways, I hooked it up, and they make you hook it up because they don't want to be liable and all that and make you sign a liability form and so on. So I hook it up, and it starts smoking. And, uh, and so I was like, oh, you know, and I pulled it off. and I'm like, that seems weird that it's smoking like that. And, uh, and, you know, I've done this like, you know, a thousand times. And so, you know, I know how to do it. Uh, and so I, then I do it again. And he's like, yeah, that's really weird. It's never happened before. I do it again, and I start smoking again. And so I was like, and I'm looking at his charger and I'm like, you know, what, what's, what's up with this thing? It doesn't work. And so I, I decided, well, I'm gonna go get somebody else to help me because um, this thing's not working and it's not helping me. So I went and got another guy. He had a similar kind of pack. He would help me, but he kind of hooked it up and, and I looked at it. And the second that I looked at the terminals, cause I don't have colors on, on my particular car, but on the cover for one of them, I do have a big plus sign. And, uh, and as soon as I looked at it and I thought about how I had hooked it up, I realized I hooked it up the wrong way. I had the, <laughs> you know, the, the plus on the minus. I had, that's why it was smoking. And then after thinking about it, I was like, that's so, I mean, it's so incredibly obvious that if you hook up jumper and it starts smoking, that you probably hooked it up the wrong way. And yet, for whatever reason, in the moment, I did not think about it. And I, it didn't, I mean, afterwards, I was like, how could I have not thought that? Like, that, that's such an obvious thing to me. Uh, but, you know, it's like that sometimes. Like, there's an easy solution right in front of our face, and yet we just don't even think about it. So, at least for me, I've had that experience. So, uh, it seems like it could be like that for us in life. Um, so, from the story here, um, it says, Then I stepped to him that plucked him out and said, Sir, wherefore, since over this place and is the way from the city of destruction to yonder gate, is, that, <clears throat> is it that the place is not mended? The poor travelers might go thither, with more safety. And he said unto me, The miry slough is such a place that cannot be mended. It is hollow whither the scum and filth that go out with feeling of sin do continually run, and therefore it is called the slough of despond. For still, as the sinner is awakened by his lost condition, there arise in his soul many fears and doubts and discouraging alarms, which all of them get together. So it's interesting that, you know, Christian asks, how can this slough, uh, why isn't it signposted? Why isn't it fixed? Why isn't it mended? And uh, help tells him it's such a thing that cannot be mended. So, and we see that it's it sins, uh, that the world, you know, the, the, the troubles of this world, you know, are not going to be mended, you know, this side of eternity. So Jesus said to us, said, in this world, you will have trouble. That's right. But then what did he say? Did he leave us there? What did he say after that? Exactly. Be of good heart. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So our hope is in Christ. But the troubles of this world are going to be there. You know, it kind of reminds me as well where, Judas said, hey, let's go sell all the money and give it to the poor. And you remember what Jesus' response to that was? The poor are always going to be here. You're always going to have the poor. You're not going to solve the problems of the world. And, of course, that wasn't Judas' real motivation. um, But he said, you're not going to solve the problems of the world um, by giving them a little bit of money, because the poor are always going to be with you. So it couldn't be mended. The the slough couldn't be fixed. You know, the difficulties of this world— um, and the sins and those kind of things are going to be here. Um, and that, from John 16, 30, 33, is where he says that, you know, take heart because I've overcome the world. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, we see here in this slough, uh, he, he comes there through to the wicket gate, and we, we ask ourselves, you know, what does the slough at, at the end of it represent? Um, it depends a little bit on your interpretation of the Pilgrim's Progress. Um, if you believe that he was saved, you know, there's kind of a question out there of when was Christian actually saved? When did he become a true believer? If you believe that he was saved at the Wicket Gate, and that's when he uh, came to salvation, then the slough would kind of represent a lack of insurance and uh, a conviction of sin and, and <clears throat> being in a place of just recognizing our wickedness uh, and how how bad we are, but not yet fully understanding, you know what salvation is about and the rest that comes in Christ. Um, you know, kind of like Romans 3:23, Romans 6:23. But if he's saved later in the story, when the burden is cast off, then it might represent, you know, the hopeless and sadness, you know, from the cares of the world prior to salvation and coming into a place of understanding, you know, uh, Christ's forgiveness for you. And then later, so it could be, you know, a a difficulty and a hardship experienced after he was saved, or it could be one that, you know, he went through a difficult time and then later came to a saving faith. But this was based definitely on on Bunyan's experience, as we mentioned, because he went through a period of being very down, you know, he was being rebuked. He was rebuked for his language. He talks about, you know, the, the, the things that he had said, and there were several people in his life that did that. You know, kind of rem- reminds us of Romans chapter 7 and, and, and Paul's struggle with sin um, as he, you know, was a believer and, and a great man of God. And so he leaves the Slough Despond, to, to and he goes on. Uh, so read up next week on the next section uh, where he meets a guy named Worldly Wiseman, uh, the Hill of Morality. Um, and then uh, Mr. Legality. I really want to talk about that section, but that's for next week. So uh, that'll be a good one. I'm looking forward to that whole section because there's an awful lot of lessons in all that. So, well, it's been great uh, going over this stuff with you. Hopefully you found it uh, interesting. Um, The story I find really interesting and and really helpful in putting pictures and and things like that to these scriptural truths. So let me uh, close this in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we just thank you um, for your goodness and your faith and for the study of your word that we had this morning. And I I pray that you would just help to use the Pilgrim's Progress to uh, encourage us and and help us to understand these things. And we ask for your blessing upon uh, the service this morning, upon the teaching of your word uh, that's coming forth this morning and the worship and communion and all of those things. And we give you glory and praise you. Amen.